In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade, please come forward. Anybody play baseball? Me. Do you? Yeah. You like to play baseball? What, what, uh, what do you play? What position? Uh, my favorite. Uh, pitcher, second pitcher, second base. What's your coach's favorite for you? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> so you like to play baseball? Anybody else play baseball ever? No? Well, baseball's a great game. I used to play baseball. I used to be a second baseman when I was in Little League. Great time, but it was kind of hard too because you're always afraid you're gonna miss the ball and all this, and, but it's a, good, it's a good sport and our bodies get exercise and you, almost, you have to play as a team, don't you? If, if the team's not working, then you're gonna lose the game, right? You know what I mean? If the team's not working, if the team's not together, you're gonna lose the game, for, for instance. Let's say we're at the baseball game and the third baseman, the batter, hits the ground ball to the third baseman. He, he, gets, up, he gets the ball and, uh-oh, where, where's he supposed to throw it if nobody's on base? First base. First base. <laughs> what if he's mad at the first baseman and he's not going to throw the ball to the first baseman because he's angry at him? <laughs> what, 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 what happens? Nobody's going to get out, right? Yeah. And they're going to lose the game, right? So that's not teamwork, is it? When you're angry with, with someone and you don't forgive them, work it out and forgive them and, and, and make yourself a team. And it's the same way in families. Angry with your brother, your sister. You got to work it out, Jesus says. Same way in church. If you're angry with someone in the church, go to that person and talk about it. And if that doesn't work, go get somebody to come with you and talk about it that way. That was last week's gospel. This week's gospel says you got to forgive. You have to forgive. If your family is going to work, if the church is going to work the way God wants it to work, we've got to forgive one another. That doesn't mean we let somebody walk all over us. That doesn't mean that. But it means we have to keep forgiving our heart. That person, that person who has done us wrong... Or we have to ask for forgiveness if we've done someone else wrong. That's what the gospel is telling us today. So if you've got anger in your heart against someone, go work it out. That's what God wants us to do. If we are to be the Christians that he wants us to be. If you've got anger, if you need to forgive someone, forgive them. Just do it. Just forgive them. That's simple. It's not simple. But it is simple. Just do it. Okay? You going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for coming up. If you want to get a packet from Mr. Nick over there, you can do that. Otherwise, go sit back down.
Thank you. That's all. No more. Have y'all heard of that school where they have, uh, what do they call them, Aggies? You heard that, you, have you heard of that school? <laughs> that little school right up here? Aggies. They were fishing, two Aggies were fishing on a river one day. One catches the biggest catfish he'd ever seen in his life. And he says to his buddy, we need, we need to remember this spot so we can come back here again. Well, his buddy, the other Aggie, pulls a pin out of his pocket and makes a big old X on the bottom of the boat right there. The first Aggie looks at his buddy, shakes his head in disgust. Seriously? What if we bring a different boat next time? <laughs> How many Aggies we got in here? How many, How many people did I? Oh, just one. Okay, I just offended one. That's okay. There's a cowboy who moved from Texas to Wyoming. Walks into a bar, orders three mugs of beer. He sits in the back of the room drinking a sip from each of the mugs in turn. And when he finishes, he comes back to the bar and he orders three more. The bartender approaches the cowboy and says to him, you know, a mug goes flat soon after I draw it. It would taste better if you, brought, if you bought one at a time. And the cowboy replies, yeah, but you see, I have two brothers. One is an airborne ranger and one's a Navy SEAL, and they're overseas somewhere. And when we all left our home in Texas, we promised that we would drink this way to remember the days when we drank together and had fun together. So I'm drinking one beer for each of my brothers and one for myself. The bartender admits that this is a pretty good idea, nice custom, and he leaves it at that. The cowboy, he becomes a regular at that bar and always drinks the same way. He orders three mugs and drinks them in turn. Well, one day he comes in and only orders two mugs. And all the regulars, they take notice and they fall silent. And when he comes back to the bar for the second round, the bartender says, I don't want to intrude upon your grief, but I want to offer my condolences for the loss of your brother. The cowboy looks quite puzzled for a moment. Then he breaks out in a laugh and says, no, 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 everybody's fine. It's just that my wife and I, we joined the Baptist church and I had to quit drinking. Hasn't affected my brothers though. <laughs> I got two ex-Baptists right over here. It all began when the Apostle Paul came to Jesus with the question that we have all asked at one time or another. Evidently, someone had done him wrong, and Peter had forgiven him, and he did it again, and Peter forgave him again, and he did it again, and Peter forgave him again, and he did it again, and Peter forgave him again, but this time he got really angry. And so he comes to Jesus with the question we can all understand how often... How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter wanted to know how much guff he had to take off of this guy. He wanted to know, when do you quit turning the other cheek? 
And I know that we've all felt that way before. You take it and you take it and you take it and whomever it is, they do it again and you say to yourself, if they do it one more time, I'm going to punch their lights out. So Peter wanted to know how long he had to wait before he punched that guy's lights out. When is, when is it okay to blow your stack? But Peter didn't wait for an answer. He already had an answer. He asked seven times. Now, our temptation is to get down on Peter for saying that, but it wasn't such a bad idea because, you see, the rabbis taught straight from the prophet Amos that you had to forgive a man three times and then you could retaliate. So Peter thinks to himself, well, I'll just double the number three and add one. Seven, after all, is what we call the perfect biblical number. So to be honest, forgiving a man seven times, that's quite commendable. Most of us get frustrated if we have to forgive somebody twice. By human standards, what Peter said is enormous. Forgive a man seven times. Peter didn't mean to offend. He thought by saying seven that he was being extravagant. And as we've learned about Peter, we know that in truth his heart was pure, but his attitude was quite often wrong. He wanted to put a legal limit on forgiveness. He wanted a number. He wanted a limit. He wanted a place where he could finally say, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And so Jesus answers him in verse 22. He says, I tell you, not seven times, no, but 72 times in this gospel. And that clunk that you hear is Peter dropping over unconscious after hearing the number 72. He couldn't believe his ear. 72 times. Jesus is saying, Peter, you've got it all wrong. You don't count the number of times you forgive someone. Forgiveness is unlimited. You see, it's not that you say to yourself, all right, he just did it, 72. Oh, he did it again, 73, uh, 74, just two more. No, 77 times means there is no limit to the number of times I should forgive someone. By the time you've forgiven someone 77 times, you've already gotten into the habit of continual forgiveness. The truth of unlimited forgiveness is difficult for us to understand. Very difficult. And so Jesus told a parable to illustrate the truth. And we call it the parable of the unforgiving servant. And it goes like this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And here's this great king who one day decides to call in all of his debts. And so he sends out his soldiers and back they come with this one particular man. And when the king asks, how much does this man owe? His CPAs, they check the books and they come back with the answers, Your Majesty, 10,000 talents. Now for us in 2023, that doesn't communicate a whole lot. But scholars tell us that in those days, even one talent would have been a huge amount of money. A man might work all of his life and make 10 talents. Or if he was wealthy, he might end up with a hundred talents or even perhaps a thousand. 
But here's a man who's run up a debt of 10,000 talents. In today's terms, we might think something like a zillion dollars. The day of reckoning has come. The man is flat broke. He's spent it all, doesn't have a penny left. And so the king says, sell his wife, sell his kids, sell his home, sell his cars. And while you're at it, sell him. Now, not that this man was worth all that kind of money. The king merely wanted to get back what he could get. And at this point, the servant, that servant does what any one of us would have done. Verse 26 says, the servant, he fell on his knees before him and he begged, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. Now, this is no time to make excuses. And unless something happens quick, this man is a goner. So he starts to beg. And he even makes the ridiculous promise that he's going to pay him back. He couldn't do it in a million years. But someone, somehow, he touched the king's heart. And the Bible says that the king was moved with compassion. And he does something the man doesn't even ask for. The king not only releases him, but he also forgives his debt. I hope you get that. He wipes it clean. He erases his debt. He cancels the debt. And now that man owes him nothing. This is the great miracle of this story. The man owes him nothing. The king forgave this enormous debt, this unbelievable amount of money, and the man walks away scot-free. As he walks away from the king, just as he leaves the palace, he happens to spot out of the corner of his eye a man who owes him some money. The Bible says it was like 100 denarii. That would be about maybe $10 compared to a zillion. Nothing, just a piddling $10 bill. The fellow had borrowed it to take his wife to McDonald's a few mornings ago. Hadn't paid it back yet. The Bible says the man saw his friend who owed him money and grabbing him by the throat says, where's that money you owe me, Buster? Pay me now. And then verse 29 is almost word for word replay of verse 26. Only this time everything is reversed. Oh, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. What the first man had said to the king in begging for patience, the second man now says to him, the man with the great debt is on top and his friend who owes him 10 bucks is begging for mercy. But there is one difference. The servant would not forgive the measly $10 bet. Verse 30 says, instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. But you know what? He made one mistake. He did all of that in public. If you're going to be chintzy, it's best to do it behind closed doors. Someone saw it happen. Someone who knew what the king had just done. Word got around and soon everybody was talking about it. You see, it wasn't the fact that the servant would not forgive his friend that shocked them. 
It was that he was so unforgiving after having been given all that mercy from the king. And so off goes the crowd to the king to tell him the story. And boy, does the king get mad. The King James Version says the king was wroth. I've never been wroth before, I don't think, but I know it's really bad. He sends out his soldiers. They haul the man in. This time there will be no mercy. The king said to the man, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Well, now the truth comes out. The king had forgiven the man a zillion dollar debt, forgiven him when he could have enslaved him for life, forgiven him when he was flat broke, forgiven him when by every law in the land he could have destroyed him. The man deserved punishment, but instead he found great mercy. Shouldn't that forgiven man man have done the same for somebody who owed him a lousy $10 bill? But there's no forgiveness this time. The king will not be conned again. And the Bible says he called for the torturers and handed the man over to them until he should pay back all that he owed. The king called for his goons. Every king has goons. And I figure this king probably had 15 or 20 goons just waiting around. Real mean looking dudes, really big, really ugly. And those goons, they grab this unforgiving servant and they take him off to be punished. That's the story Jesus told. With a little embellishment on my part. But he didn't leave us to wonder about the application. In verse 35, Jesus says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each one of you unless you learn to forgive your brother from your heart. These words were intended for a Christian audience both back then and this morning. Jesus said, what happened to them will happen to you unless you learn to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. The tormentors will come and they will take you away and they will torture you. What tormentors? The hidden tormentors of anger and bitterness that eat your insides out. The tormentors of frustration and malice that give you ulcers, ulcers and high blood pressure and migraine headaches and lower back pain. The tormentors that make you lie awake in bed at night, stewing over every rotten thing that has ever happened to you. The tormentors of an unforgiving heart of who stalk and trail you day and night, who never leave your side, who suck every bit of joy out of your life. Why? Because you will not forgive from your heart. It's happening to some of us just as Jesus said, because we refuse to forgive. We are like the unforgiving servant. We stand before Almighty God, our sins piled up as high as a mountain. Each one of our sins. 
Our sins are like a zillion dollar debt that we could never pay in our lifetime or in a thousand lifetimes. We come as debtors to God. We come with empty hands and we say, I cannot pay. And God, who is rich in mercy, he says, I forgive you all your sins. My son has paid your debt. You owe nothing. And then we rise from our pews. We leave the communion rail after communion. We walk outside the church. We're singing one of the catchy hymns we just sang in church. And before we even get to the car, we see a man or a woman who's done us wrong and we want to go grasp them by the throat and say, pay me right now or whatever the circumstance might be. No wonder we're so tormented. No wonder we are so angry and bitter. No wonder we have problems. No wonder our friendships don't last. No wonder we can't get along. We've never learned the secret of unlimited forgiveness. Verily, verily, the hidden tormentors have done their work. Folks, right now, this morning, is the time to forgive. The great majority of us don't need forgiveness as much as we need to forgive. The invitation is to each one of you. Perhaps forgiving from your heart means writing a letter or making a phone call. Perhaps it means going to see someone face to face. Whatever it is, just do it. Even if it means 77 times. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.